Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to Get Your Goat. Your host, Josh, here. Today, I'm going to be covering round one of the NFL draft, recapping everything that happened last night, a couple of big trades that I did not expect, my round one winners and losers as well. Then, some top talent left on the board as well that was very surprising. Where will some key players go in tonight's round two? All that today covering the NFL draft, then Grizzlies Timberwolves, can the Grizzlies close out the T-Wolves tonight in game six, we'll find out is the Suns, 76ers, and Mavericks all closed out their series yesterday, they're all moving on to the second round, and then I'll finish up with some NHL, as today is the last day of the NHL regular season, and if time allows, Maybe some baseball talk since the two best teams in baseball right now both reside in New York. So let's get started with the NFL Draft recapping round one. The Jaguars with the first overall pick in the 2022 draft selected Trevon Walker. Earlier in the week, you know, it looked like this was going to be the case. Trevon Walker overtook Aiden Hutchinson as the betting favorite. What shocked me because I knew it was close. But when I heard that, I thought, you know, the Jaguars, it's a done deal. Then there was reports of the GM, uh, Valky, who liked Trevon Walker, but the owner, Shad Khan, liked Aiden Hutchinson. But I thought, I think the Jaguars want to go with Trevon Walker. And I was elated, more elated than anybody that this happened because being such a Michigan fan rooting for Aiden Hutchinson I did not want to see him die and fizzle out with the helpless uh, Jacksonville Jaguars I wanted him to go to Detroit so it was shocking if I was the Jacksonville Jaguars if I was running that organization I would have selected Trevon I mean I would have selected Aiden Hutchinson because he was the best prospect in the draft by everyone's account. But instead, you select Travon Walker, uh, who is very versatile on that defensive line, uh, is an edge rusher. But the thing that, you know, sticks out to me, that, you know, he's got the strength, the speed, you know, his pass rush is, you know, explosive, uh, but the key here to me is his sack numbers. If he is so fast, so strong, why aren't his sack numbers? Why wasn't his sack numbers as I uh, is, you know, Anderson, Will Anderson from Alabama's last year or Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan? Because those guys were getting double teamed and they still got him, uh, still got high sack numbers. Trevon Walker, on the other hand, had a bunch of. Uh, single uh, coverage on him yesterday. Uh, so I was very surprised that they picked him due to those sack numbers being so low when he was in single coverage because you sometimes had a Kobe Dean from Georgia come in, maybe a Quay Walker, a Jordan Davis up the middle. So for him to only have, you know, nine sacks last year, uh, you know, it's very surprising, but you know, you're pairing him with a more experienced pass rusher, uh, that of Josh Allen. So this really sets up a nice one-two punch where 
you know, me looking for Trevon Walker down the line, maybe not as much explosion in his first year, but I think he'll benefit with Josh Allen, but still very surprised that, you know, throughout the week that it looked like Trevon Walker would be that one pick. And then with number two, Detroit Lions pick, it was in right away. They knew who they wanted. I knew who they wanted. Aiden Hutchinson, the best prospect in the draft, the highest motor, the one who had comparables, uh, who was comparable, not Trevon Walker, but Aiden Hutchinson to the Nick Bosa's, the Joey Bosa's, the, Trey, or the Chase Youngs, those kind of guys, those guys who have been key pass rushers the past few years, that's who Aiden Hutchinson's been compared to. And, you know, they say Aiden Hutchinson doesn't have the full, you know, skill set and, you know, the high ability that they have. I beg to differ. Aiden Hutchinson's pass rush, his technique, it's efficient. He can stop a run as well. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson plays all out with his heart. I love this pick, uh, especially with the defensive scheme that they run. Putting his hand in the dirt before three, this is great. He's in the lineup as a starter at the defensive end. This is a great pick. This fits Dan Campbell's mold of biting off kneecaps. They come back up, will bite off the other one. A hard-nosed pick. This, to me, represents what Dan Campbell wants. He was ferocious with Jim Harbaugh. And we're about to see that with the Detroit Lions homegrown kid who's played high school in Michigan, college in Michigan. Now he is starting off his NFL career with the Detroit Lions. I love it. I love this pick. Best pick in the draft right here to get him at two. The best player in the draft at two, the Detroit Lions. Great pick. Love this pick for them. Houston Texans, they went out and got cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU. And injuries, past couple years, but rookie year with LSU is what everybody's focused on. And even myself, he was the best cornerback, is a rookie with LSU, who shut down the top dogs at uh, Clemson in the national championship game. The videos of him shutting down Justin Jefferson. Jamar Chase, uh, I mean, it was simply uh, great. That's what they're banking on is for him to be healthy and for him uh, to be at that level. Because Houston, they had so many draft needs. They could have taken anything here, and it would have been all right. They could have taken a defensive end, an offensive lineman. But they choose Derek Stingley. Uh, to me, Maybe that's a little high, especially for a cornerback. Uh, we saw Jeff Okuda a couple years drafted by the Detroit Lions at three. That hasn't worked out, and he's dealt with his injuries. I do not wish the same thing for Derek Stingley. Uh, I hope that he's healthy, he plays well, because the Houston Texans need him. Then, with that cornerback off the board, the Jets had to make their pick, and they went out and got the other Lockdown cornerback in the draft, Ahmad Sas Gardner. You know, to me, the best press, you know, man cornerback in this draft. 
Stingley to me is a little better all around in zone as well. Uh, but man coverage, Sauce Gardner reminds me of Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman even said that he would take Sauce Gardner. He is the best cornerback in the draft. He's cornerback one. And when you look at the Jets, their defense, terrible. They could have used a pass rusher or a cornerback. They chose to go here when teams were throwing all over the field on them last year. Sauce is going to come in and be a day, day one starter. So great pick by the New York Jets. Think he's going to be impactful as well. I wasn't as high on Sauce. Again, not high on any cornerbacks this high, but he's got the talent. Never allowed a touchdown, you know, in his collegiate career. So, you know, the Jets taken to me, I think, a decent sized gamble on here. A win by our other holes, but the Jets did have a nice draft, and I'll talk about more what the Jets did in just a bit. And then you had the New York Football Giants right after Ben. They drafted Kevon Thibodeau, who preseason college uh, was, you know, the consensus. To go number one, he was the number one prospect. Here he slipped just a little bit to the football giants. I think it's great. I think this is a great pick for them. Obviously needed some semblance of a pass rush. This with Wink Martindale coming in here from uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I think they're going to use him as a hybrid defensive end, outside linebacker, you know, I think he's going to fit into this system very well. It's just going to be, you know, his motor, his intensity, you know, his desire uh, to play for such a sorry franchise as of late that has been the New York Giants. Then you had the Panthers, and the Panthers were interesting uh, because you had offensive line, but could they draft a Malik Willis this high? you know, the back and forth, I thought, no, they're going to draft an offensive lineman, and they did just that. Looks like Sam Darnold's going to be the guy. They draft offensive tackle Ekum Ekuonu, and again, great run blocker as well. Uh, pass protection, he's also great. So, again, he's going to be a starting tackle day one in this league. They need it because Sam Darnold took a lot of hits. When Cam Newton was in, he took a lot of hits. Uh, they cannot block Christian McCaffrey as well. He's always banged up, and I know uh, running back, it just takes a toll on you because you're always going to get hit, but it helps if you have at least some good and effective blockers out there. This is what they do. Uh, you've got Taylor Morton on the other Moton on the other side. Now you've drafted Ecom. Very, very solid, solidifying this offensive line. Uh, and now you can evaluate probably after this year is Sam Darnold the guy? Are we going to move on after that? Then the Giants again had another pick from uh, the Chicago Bears last year, the Justin Fields trade. So the Giants back on the board just drafted Kevon Thibodeau. Now at seven, you know, now I thought they'd be looking at an offensive lineman, and they got their guy, Evan Neal, who could have been drafted first overall, I believe, if the Jaguars didn't extend Cam Robinson and uh, secure their offensive tackle. But here we got Evan O'Neill, 
who is an absolute beast, a lean 350 pounds standing at six foot eight. He is just dominant and overshadows everybody. Dominant run blocker, great pass blocker as well. Uh, this guy, to me, is the real deal. This is a great, great pick for the New York Giants uh, who, you know, needed this. They needed help at both uh, sides of a football, defensive line and offensive line. They got two guys, arguably two of the best guys in the draft there at five and seven. So just a great pick by the uh, New York Giants. Then at number eight, you have the first wide receiver off the board. The Atlanta Falcons select Drake London from USC, who is elite, big frame, 6'4", uh, 220 as well. Uh, you know, very similar to Mike Evans. Uh, and you look at the Falcons, this was a clear need. Uh, no wide receiver. On this roster, you drafted Kyle Pitts last year, who is a tight end and is phenomenal. But, you know, gone are the days of Julio Jones. Uh, Calvin Ridley suspended for this whole season. Russell Gage went out uh, and signed with the rival of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the Falcons needed a wide receiver, the clearest need out of all of them, but the biggest one, and they got Drake London, who can ball. The only thing I'm worried about is injuries with him, but if he can stay healthy, he is going to be a problem for opposing defensive backs. Then nine, the Seattle Seahawks. My brother was hoping for three guys at this pick. Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley, already taken in the draft, and if not Malik Willis, I thought that was going to be a little high for Malik. I thought Charles Cross was the clear-cut candidate here, offensive tackle. And it was, that's who the Seahawks drafted, uh, Charles Cross. And you look at the Seahawks, whose offensive line has been maligned, terrible, for the better part of like five years now. And now they're finally investing in it. It only took a Russell Wilson trade for them to do it. And they get an absolute monster there, uh, who, to me, is a good pass blocker, still proving it, but as a run blocker, is the best one. And to me, fits Pete Carroll's scheme, who with Drew Locke now, I think they're going to go back to running the football, even though they don't have a clear-cut running back on that team. I'm not sold on Carson or Penny or any running back on this team. But if Pete Carroll's going to go back to that, you know, early 2000s style of football, 90s, the old uh, style that he wants to run, how stubborn and stuck in his ways, then this might work out for him. You know, definitely fits their system, their scheme. They got their guy, the Seattle Seahawks did, and Charles Cross. Then with the best wide receiver off the board in Drake London, let's say you had a wide receiver run right now. So the Jets, you know, right here at 10, there was talks of Debo Samuel. Could Debo be coming to the Jets? The Jets trading this pick and probably many others. The Jets stood pat. I don't know if they ever offered a deal, but they picked Garrett Wilson, another bona fide wide receiver in here. Big play, the speed as well. You know, 
They were looking at getting Tyreek with the speed. Instead, they get Garrett Wilson, who's got that speed as well. Uh, And here we go. Jets have, you know, a very solid wide receiver core now. Elijah Moore selected in the second round of last year, to me, who has star potential. Garrett Wilson right now. And then you've got Corey Davis, who was coming off a season-ending injury last year. You have those three guys surrounding Zach Wilson. You got Mekhi Becton and a decent offensive line and some other guys who drafted last year. The Jets are slowly rounding out this roster, making it better for Zach Wilson in this offense. Uh, Garrett Wilson's ability to create separation and make tough catches, it's going to be exactly what the Jets need. Then you had his teammate, another Ohio State wide receiver taken off the board, Chris Olave. The Saints traded up. Uh, from there, I think number 16th pick to this 11th pick to get Chris Olave, you know, another Ohio State wide receiver. You know, they pair him with another Ohio State wide receiver on that team, Michael Thomas. So you have that, you know, now the Saints, to me, very good wide receiver group. If Michael Thomas can stay healthy, last time we saw him healthy, he was arguably the best wide receiver in football. So if he can stay healthy, this is great. And then Olave, who can run deep routes, it suits Jameis Winston as well. Who's ever going to be back there? Jameis Winston, uh, Simeon, whoever it is, they got wide receivers this year. There shouldn't be a lack as there was last year. Then, you know, you had the Lions trade to the 12th pick from 32. Very aggressive. And I was loving it. I thought it was great that the Lions traded up. Then everybody for draft, Mel Kuyper, Lewis Riddick, were like, quarterback makes sense here. And I thought, no, get me Jamison Williams. That's who I want to me. He's the best wide receiver in this draft. Uh, you know, he would have gone the first wide receiver if he didn't tear his ACL. But to me, he was the clear best one. Even Aaron Rodgers agreed last night he's the most NFL ready. And the Lions... Did not disappoint selecting Jamison Williams, a receiver with elite, elite speed who can top out at 23 and a half miles an hour. Uh, not the biggest guy at 180, but he's tall. He's fast. You know, this is great, great pick right here. Uh, just amazing. And now, you know, the fact that the Lions signed Dax charts. You know, in or DJ Charks, you know, in the offseason, pairing him with Amon St. Brown, uh, TJ Hawkinson, it gives him time to heal, fully recover from his ACL. And then now Jared Goff, he's got all the dynamic pieces right there. Uh, he's got the tight end and Hawkinson, the reliable third down red zone threat. He's got the slot receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown. He's got DJ Charts uh, to also run underneath route and go routes. And then you got Jamison Williams to take the tops off the defense. So every wide receiver that they have, the offense can be utilized to the full. Now with the offensive line that they have, which is very good, the evaluation is all going to be on Goff and say, hey, Goff, how are you going to perform for us this year? Because if not next year, we'll be looking to add a quarterback. But this 
I thought was great. Jamison Williams, if he doesn't get injured in the national championship game, beats uh, Georgia, you know, just great. Best yards after catch. He's just electric, all pro. Uh, this, to me, is just amazing. Uh, I was so happy with the Detroit Lions trading up and selecting him. Then after that, the 13th pick, the Eagles also traded up, and I think they hoped to get Jamison Williams. Uh, but with him gone, they had to pivot, and there was no clear-cut top wide receiver gone. The best ones, Drake London, uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, were all gone. So they kind of had to pivot from there. Who do they get? No wide receiver. So they go out and get Jordan Davis interior lineman from Georgia. Again, another big guy, 6'6", 350, is just massive. Uh, you know, his 478, 40-yard dash is the fastest time for any player over 300 pounds. So he flashes speed. Uh, he closes out. He's the ultimate run stuffer as well. N needs to develop more of a pass rush, but have fun trying to run in, you know, a halfback dive uh, down there or any kind of in-between tackles uh, type of run. So, you know, this shores up some of the defensive line for uh, Eagles. I don't think that was their number one option, but they did get a very solid player in Jordan Davis. The Ravens then selected Kyle Hamilton, uh, safety and you know, the fact that he fell to him, who had a, you know, a top 10 grade, there are questions of where he could get drafted in the top 10. But here he goes uh, to the uh, Ravens, and I think he'll fit in right there with him, who can line up, you know, either safety. They signed Marcus Williams, so you can line Kyle Hamilton up anywhere, even as a little cornerback. But if you got Marcus Peters coming back, Marlon Humphrey, uh like I said, they signed Marcus Williams. You have Kyle Hamilton. This should be a very good secondary this year with those guys coming off injuries. Uh, last year, this you know defense was just torched multiple times uh, by Joe Burrow and just multiple times by everybody you know in the league. They were just pass happy all over this Ravens defense. So this should help them out. Uh, his great range in zone coverage. And then also being able to guard tight ends and guys in the slot uh, for man coverage. So Ravens, again, got a great player. The Texans, you know, traded back. It was the Saints trade pick, so the Saints moved up. Texans moved back. Uh, they got Kenyon Green, offensive guard. Great run blocker, uh, you know, right there. I thought was a little high to draft Kenyon Green. Uh but we'll see the Texans are full of surprising moves, so we'll see how this works out for them. Then the Washington Commanders got Jahan Dotson, who, again, a terrific wide receiver right there in itself uh, from Penn State. Again, so many Penn State records uh, that he holds as a wide receiver is just electric. And now, you know, this slot wide receiver, you pair him with a Terry McLaurin, guess what? Carson Wentz, you could make an argument last year that Carson Wentz kind of had Michael Pittman, but you had no true number one or weapons for Carson Wentz. Well, that's not the case now 
with the Commanders. You know, you could try to bail out Carson Wentz, but there is no bailing out Carson Wentz anymore this year. He's got Terry McLaurin. He's got Jahan Dotson, uh, Curtis Samuel as well. So he's got weapons. The Commanders adding him uh, will be able to evaluate Carson Wentz. The Chargers went out and got Zion Johnson. Uh, again, is great. Can kind of play both a guard tackle, kind of shift on this offensive line. Again, you know, the Chargers, I thought they had a very decent offensive line, but they are retooling it. And Zion Johnson, a very good, uh, safe pick there for the Chargers uh, to keep on helping and keeping Justin Herbert safe back there in the backfield. Then around this pick, trade 18, or pick 18, we had a trade. Eagles traded for A.J. Brown right before this pick. So unbelievable that the Titans traded A.J. Brown uh, to the Eagles. And then A.J. Brown subsequently got a $100 million contract. You know, you had the rumors that he could be traded. A.J. Brown rejected a $20 million a year offer. So now he gets around twenty-five. Uh, and you had Mike Vrabel say, hey, A.J. Brown's not on the trade block as long as I'm the head coach. Well, we're still the head coach, and now A.J. Brown's gone. Uh, so that really didn't mean anything. But very interesting. They then select a wide receiver, Traylon Burks, from Arkansas, the Tennessee Titans, with that pick from the Eagles. And guess who he is? He's basically a younger A.J. Brown, uh, a 6'2", 225, uh, bigger guy who, you know, excels after the catch, working out of the slot, a great route runner, just like A.J. Brown. So Traylon Burks is going to come in there as a rookie, and I think it fits the tight end system as well, uh, who are not a pass-happy team. Uh, they are set with Derrick Henry, him getting the majority of the snaps, the majority of the offensive uh, load. So now you get the cheaper contract. You won't have to pay him for a few years in Traylon Burks. Uh, but then again, the Eagles, they pay him. Now have added him to what they drafted last year in Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts. You know, that just adds another weapon and, you know, makes it more interesting in that AFC East. I think it was a very smart move by the Eagles who didn't get the wide receiver they wanted in Jamison Williams, got Jordan Davis. So instead of getting a Traylon Burks, they traded their first round pick for an already bona fide great wide receiver in A.J. Brown. Great move by the Eagles. To me, they win this trade. Uh, by trading something, you know, that A.J. Brown is better than Traylon Burks. You'll have to pay him, uh, but you're getting a premium at that position. Then you had Trevor Penning going to the Saints. Uh, needed a replacement at left tackle. Taron Armstead left the Saints to go to the Dolphins, so you needed to fill something there. So they got Trevor Penning, another big offensive lineman. Uh, but the key here, you know, he's a big guy, but he gets flagged for a lot of penalties. He'll have to cut that out uh, in the NFL. 
Then at pick 20, we had the first quarterback off the board. Kenny Pickett to the Pittsburgh Steelers, another Pittsburgh product who played college in Pittsburgh, grew up there, and was selected by the hometown team, much like Aiden Hutchinson, this time with Kenny Pickett. And I think this is great because they signed Mitch Trubisky, who's a bridge quarterback, and a lot of people were comparing Pickett to Trubisky. But let's get real. Kenny Pickett is younger. He's more athletic. I like Kenny Pickett a lot more than Mitch Trubisky, seeing what we've already seen from Mitch. So bringing Kenny Pickett, I think, is great upside. You have him on the fifth-year option as well. Uh, you can still use Mitch if you want, you know. But Kenny Pickett here is coming in to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's got a great running back in Najee Harris, who they got last year. They got the weapons in Deontay Johnson, uh, Chase Claypool, uh, Ray J.J. McLeod. So they got some guys. Now it's going to be time for the offensive line to get draft. They draft offensive linemen to protect Kenny Pickett. 21, Trent McDuffie went to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, didn't really like this since they had luxurious need last year and was good. Uh, I know they lost Tredavious Ward, but I thought a wide receiver would help here, or at least trading up from one. 22, Packers selected Quay Walker inside linebacker to, to kind of replace, you know, Zyderius uh, Smith as well. But you already had Devondre Campbell at that role. So very interesting move here. Uh, by the Green Bay Packers. Bill selected Kair Elam from Florida, uh, tall corner. Uh, you know, they got Tredavious White recovering from the ACL, but if you can have Elam come and make a name for himself and become a key role in this defense, it will help out, you know, if they need another 13 seconds to stop somebody. Then the Cowboys have the 24th pick. Selected Tyler Smith, uh, you know, Lyle Collins left him, so tackle was in need here. But they could have also got Jermaine Johnson, uh, who was still on the board and kind of slipped all the way down defensive end. They could have replaced Randy Gregory. But here we draft Tyler Smith, who I thought was a little bit of a reach. Uh, you know, a lot of penalties last season for him. Uh and that's exactly what the Cowboys don't need as they were the most penalized team in the NFL of this past season. Then the Ravens. The Ravens were interesting. So the Ravens, they traded Marquise Brown last night to the Arizona Cardinals. Very surprising move because even though Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson are the focal point of the offense, it's run heavy. Obviously, you know, those two love each other. Lamar loves playing with Marquise Brown, uh, loves what he's able to do on the football field, uh, his explosiveness. I think there's a true friendship there. So, you know, they trade him to the Cardinals. Lamar Jackson very upset going on a Twitter rant. Yeah, he was unhappy about that. And to me, it was very surprising because, you know, Mark Andrews just had a career year, but so did uh, our Hollywood Brown he had a thousand receiving yards last year. Was the first Ravens wide receiver to do that, you know, since 2016, Mike Wallace. 
So it was very, very surprising. And then the Ravens select Tyler Linderbaum, center who I think, you know, best center prospect uh, in a while. He's going to come in and help this team be the day one starter. But the trade there to Arizona was a head scratcher for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and then, but for the Cardinals, I think this is great uh, because guess what? Hollywood Brown played with Kyler Murray in Oklahoma. There's a true connection there when Hollywood Brown was leading, you know, receiving uh, in college when Kyler Murray was winning the Heisman. So there's a friendship there. Kyler Murray's happy about that. I think the Cardinals want to keep Kyler Murray happy. We just extended his fifth-year option as well. It'll pay him around $30 million. So you pair him there. You're also replacing Christian Kirk. And maybe you hope to get a cheaper contract. Who knows? Uh, Christian Kirk, again, like I've been saying, screwed up the wide receiver market uh, when he went to the Jack. So you get him to replace him. But you're also getting a better version of Christian Kirk. Because to me, Hollywood Brown is faster than Christian Kirk. He's also had a 1,000-yard receiving season, which Christian Kirk has not had. He's younger as well. So more upside here for them. You're pairing Kyler Murray now with Hollywood Brown, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, they re-signed A.J. Green as well. So, again, no excuses for Kyler Murray any year. Uh, you go out and perform this year, you'll get a contract. But if you don't, then you can be worried. Then the Jets, at 26, traded their pick uh, from Tennessee, and they got Jermaine Johnson, who kind of slid, and the Jets wanted to take advantage of it, who, you know, they passed on Kevon Thibodeau uh, to get Sauce Gardner, and if Jermaine Johnson fell all the way down there, why not make a move? Now you got three day-one starters uh, coming in now. You added Jermaine Johnson, great pass rusher, as well. Uh, just great move here. He's going to be a day one starter. And then to round out the draft, uh, you had Devontae Wyatt selected by the Packers, Cole Strange by the Patriots, George Karlaftis defensive end by the Chiefs, Dax Hill, another Michigan safety for Cincinnati there at 31, and then Louis Cine safety, you know, Minnesota went out and got him. So there uh, they go. That's the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, my round one biggest winners are the New York Jets, who got day one starters across the board there in uh, Sauce Gardner, uh, Jermaine Johnson, and Garrett Wilson. Great draft. I also like the Detroit Lions. Thought they were a clear winner. Getting the best prospect to Aiden Hutchinson. And then uh, trading up for Jamison Williams as well. Electric wide receiver. And then uh, my other team I thought did well. The New York Giants solidified both sides of a line with Kevon Thibodeau. Evan Neal. Great draft by those three teams. My round one losers. Teams I thought head-scratching were the Chiefs and the Packers. Because this offseason, they traded their star wide receivers. The Chiefs traded 
Tyreek Hill. Packers traded Devontae Adams. So they both had an extra draft pick, and neither of them picked a wide receiver. Uh, not one of them. Uh, yeah, very surprising, you know, Green Bay uh, picked Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker right there. So, again, was very surprised uh, by that. And same with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Both picked defensive sides of the ball. They picked a defensive end and a cornerback where I thought a wide receiver was a need on both these teams. Yes, you know, you had the Packers sign a Sammy Watkins, a Chiefs sign a Juju Smith-Schuster, but that's not going to cut it on the offensive side of the ball where the AFC is loaded with offensive talent. So it's it was very surprising both, you know, of these teams do that, especially when you had uh, people trading A.J. Brown. You don't think the Chiefs or a Packers could have matched that offer, uh, matched that offer he got traded, or a Marquise Hollywood Brown, or, you know, you had the Eagles trade up. You had the Lions trade up, and it was crazy that the Lions traded their pick with the Vikings uh, in the division, and they got more explosive, so... Those, to me, are a couple of, you know, round one losers right there, Chiefs and Packers. So now we have round two. The Bucks are on the clock. That's going to be very interesting. Uh, but where will Malik Willis go? Biggest question. I thought he was going to be off the board yesterday. Uh, he did not. Who gets him? You know, do the Bucks get him? and think that he's going to be the successor to Tom Brady? Are they really not in love with Kyle Trask? You know, what about any of those teams? Vikings, are they in love with Kirk Cousins? Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Giants could use him, didn't pick up Daniel Jones' option. Texans could use him if they don't like Davis Mills. Uh, I think the Jets, Bears won't. But then you've got the Seahawks back-to-back picks. Are they hoping that Malik Willis slides to them and they can use one of those picks on Malik Willis with either the eighth or ninth pick in the second round. So that's very interesting. And then there's also some good defensive talent. N'Kobe Dean thought he would be a first rounder. He was not. Where does he go in the second round? David Ajabo, if he doesn't tear his Achilles, I think he gets picked up as well. What about him? Same with John Mechie. Tore his ACL in the SEC championship game. You know, I thought he'd be another first round pick. But he's down here, George Pickens. So there's still a lot of talent, a lot of great players left for rounds two and three. Then Aaron Rodgers also said yesterday that he was surprised by the Devontae Adams trade. And I was surprised too. I'm with Aaron Rodgers. I was surprised, but I don't want to... I'm just sick of Aaron Rodgers trying to play the victim here. He didn't know uh, what was really happening. He was transparent with Devontae. He thought Devontae would resign, but there was a good chance that he'd go over there. It just makes me sick, you know, hearing Aaron Rodgers speak about football matters. I like, I prefer Aaron Rodgers walking around Disneyland uh, on Instagram, uh, playing golf, but discussing football talking about it, watching him on the field. It's like, it's, I I can't stand it. I just, I simply can't stand 
Aaron Rodgers in the football universe. Don't act like you have no idea what's ever going on with the Green Bay Packers. It just makes me sick. Then in the NBA, Grizzlies T-Wolves, game six tonight. Grizzlies can clinch a playoff, can clinch the series, win the series, go to round two if they beat the Timberwolves tonight. I'm rolling with the Timberwolves. I mean, my bad. I'm rolling with the Grizzlies in this matchup. Timberwolves could have easily have won this series uh, by now. Uh, they blew the huge lead in uh, game three, uh, just an atrocity. You know, game five, you know, blew another lead as well. But you could make the case that the Grizzlies, you know, could have won game four. This series uh, could have been over. They lost that game by a point. Grizzlies are a better team. Ja woke up in that fourth quarter in the last game in game five. I think that continues. I think the Grizzlies are done playing around with the Timberwolves, and I think they win this game. Uh, so far, no series has gone to seven games in this first round of the playoffs. Uh, all series are done with, except this one. Tonight is game six. I don't think they want a game seven on Sunday. I think they want to end it now. Uh, I think the Grizzlies uh, do end it. Uh, to me, there's just been too much inconsistency from the T-Wolves uh, across the board. Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Anthony Edwards, uh, D'Angelo Russell, whereas, you know, only inconsistent player on Memphis has really been John Morant. Desmond Bain, I think, has been, you know, he's been himself. Same with Dylan Brooks, Clark, offensive rebounding. I mean, everybody has been doing just fine on the Grizzlies except for Ja. Morant, so it's going to be up to him to just stay good. I think he can do it. I think he'll stay consistent. I think he found his groove in the last game. I think the Grizzlies win this game tonight and go on to face the Warriors. And then last night you had a bunch of series close out. You had the 76ers just absolutely you know, annihilate the Raptors uh, 132 to 97 by 35. You know, you had the Toronto crowd, you know, cursing at Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, you know, embraced it and, you know, was saying, you know what, you know, F you back to the fans and everything. So definitely an intense series. And it's one that Philly had to finish off. No Fred Van Fleet. Scotty Barnes limited by his injury. Uh, so I know uh, that Joel Embiid's got the torn ligament in his thumb, but he had to close the deal. He was brilliant last night. James Harden, his best game of the series. Tyrese Maxey was good. Danny Green, Tobias Harris. It was a team effort uh, right here. The starting five did their job. Uh, beat the Toronto Raptors, they win game six. And all that outside noise of, you know, our 76ers going to blow a 3-0 lead that's never been done. Is that going to happen? They put those rumors and ease everyone's mind by moving on to the next round.
The Suns win their game as well. Pelicans, hard-fought effort. But what can happen is Chris Paul just go out of this world in terms of making everything that he shot a perfect 14 of 14 from the field. He made his one three-pointer. And then from the line, he was perfect as well, uh, four of four. You also had the aid of Devin Booker, who returned last night. Didn't look like himself, 13 points, um, five of 12 shooting, one of six from three. Uh, I didn't think he was fully healthy playing uh, last night. But the Pelicans, great job. But C.J. McCollum let the team down. 16 points, you know, the Pelicans traded for you. You've been great in the wins, but in the losses, the 7 of 16, that hurt. Uh, Jose Alvarado coming off off the bench. Uh, defense was great, but Chris Paul was just better. He is better than Jose Alvarado. And definitely reminded me of the Warriors-Cavs series, the 2015 finals, the first edition of that kind of four-year uh, gauntlet that we saw every year in the finals. Uh, but the first one had, uh, you know, Matthew Della Vadova against Steph Curry and Della Vadova, very similar to Jose Alvarado. And like, did Della Vadova have a stifled Steph Curry? Turned out not to be the case. You know, we were asking the same thing. Alvarado, is he stopping Chris Paul? Chris Paul was could not simply be stopped last night. And then the Mavericks beat the Jazz, you know, Jazz up a lot uh, throughout this game. But in the end, the Mavericks turned it on in the third quarter especially. uh, Took that game, uh, outscoring them 36-19. to I didn't think anybody on either of these teams was efficient. You know, Luka Doncic got his 24 points on 21. Brunson's 24 on 17. Uh, You know, Donovan Mitchell's 23 on 17. Uh, so I didn't think anybody was hyper efficient. It was kind of a, a grudge, you know, match right here. But the Dallas Mavericks prevailed. They beat the Jazz. Bogdan Bogdanovich missed the game-winning three-pointer. Conley traveling at the end there. Just too many mistakes for the Utah Jazz. Uh, that's what they have done consistently is make mistakes. You cannot count on them at all. Uh, so, not worried there at all. Then, so now we have most of our matchups set. First one is going to be the Celtics and the Bucks, And I just want to give credit to the Celtics for sweeping the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the only sweep of the playoffs so far. Only sweep of round one. The most unexpected sweep, you could say. So many people, including myself, pick the Nets. Some pick the Celtics, but hardly a sweep. And the Celtics broke out the brooms on Kevin Durant in the Nets. Great performance all around by the Celtics. It was sensational to watch. So now we have the Bucks and the Celtics. Celtics with the home court. Boston with the four and a half point. Favorite to open up. They're the favorite in the series to me largely because of Chris Middleton's injury. Giannis is going to have to be out of this world in this series. We just saw Jason Tatum 
shut down Kevin Durant uh, and Robert Williams. Grant, all these guys take their turn out. Horford, this is different. Giannis is a much bigger guy than Kevin Durant, a much more imposing guy, especially around the rim. You're not going to win this with a ISO Jason Tatum guarding him or a Al Horford. I think they're going to have to kind of build a wall to stop Giannis, which the Heat have employed in the past and it worked the Raptors in the past. They are going to have to do that because guess what? Because it's going to work, or we're going to have to do it uh, because it benefits them now. Because Chris Middleton is not playing who can knock down shots. It If the wall is built, Chris Middleton is not there. So I think the Celtics employ that. It stops, but I'm rolling with the Bucks. The Bucks were my pick. I think Giannis is too good. I think he's the best player on the planet. And because of that, I think this is going to be a great series. But Bucks in seven. Bucks have the depth that the Nets it did not have the depth to match the Celtics. I think it will be great. They still have streaky shooters and a Pat Connaughton and a Grayson Allen. A Bobby Portis playing well. This is going to be an intense series, but I like the Bucks in seven. Uh, I had the Bucks going to the finals. I'm not stopping now. 76ers Heat is another series coming up. This is one I thought would happen. Uh, this is one I predicted, and I had the Heat beat in the Sixers, and I still feel that way, and I feel more confident about that after seeing both teams play. Uh, 76ers struggled. Joel Embiid's thumb. James Harden not looking like himself. There's just too many issues with the 76ers. And with the Heat, they're just too good. They're too well coached. Uh, I know Kyle Lowry's dealing with a little injury. Jimmy Butler with knee inflammation. But if they're healthy, they're going to beat the Heat. And I even think if not healthy, if one of those guys can, are missing, I still think the Heat can beat the 76ers. The 76ers are discombobulated. Uh, you know, they're not as hoped. Uh, so I think the Heat win in six. And then the Mavericks and Suns is going to be a great series. But Luka Doncic is going to have to play better. The, the Suns are the... Mavericks are going to have to play better. Uh, I think they're a great team, but again, this past series, that was their first series win since 2011. The Mavericks have blown multiple series, you know, most notably last year's to the Clippers. And this year, uh, I think it'll be similar. I think the Phoenix Suns are just too good as much as I'll be rooting for the Dallas Mavericks and Luka. I just don't have the trust and faith in them. I think Phoenix wins this series. I think Dallas plays hard, but Phoenix wins in seven games and what I think will be another terrific series. And today is the last day of the NHL season. Uh, all the playoff spots are set. The only thing left is seeding. So, for example, the Bruins in Tampa Bay, they're right now, you know, one of them is the third team in their division. The other is wild card one. Depending on what happens today, those could be flipped. The Bruins win, Lightning lose. Uh, Bruins are there. If it stays pat, Lightning stay there. Bruins, and then same with the Penguins and the Capitals. Penguins are the team three. Capitals are wild card two. 
depending on what happens, you know, if the Penguins lose in any in regulation and the Capitals win, Capitals play the Rangers, Penguins go play the Panthers. But if any other combination of uh, anything else, Penguins play the Rangers. So it's definitely interesting. Uh, you know, my Penguins have fallen without Tristan Jari. Uh, the, you know, month of April has not been kind to them at all. No, but they need Jari back. They need to get healthy. And then in the Western Conference, the same thing uh, that I just mentioned in the Eastern, you know, it's the seeding. You know, is uh, Dallas going to pass Nashville and, uh, you know, play Calgary? Or are they going to lose today and play Colorado? I think both of those teams would rather play Calgary than Colorado. But my prediction, I think Pittsburgh uh, wins today. I think Capitals win today too, but with Pittsburgh win, uh, I think even if maybe they don't win, they lose in overtime, which means they would still get the third spot. I think Pittsburgh are going to play the Rangers, even though I would rather play the Florida Panthers. I would. I'm, I'm being totally honest here. I would rather play the Florida Panthers. Uh, because my record against them was better this year, and then against uh, the Toronto Tampa Bay uh, was better as well than Carolina New York. So I'd rather do that. Uh, and then also today is the last game that the Arizona Coyotes play in Gila River Arena. They'll no longer be in Glendale today. Is their last game in that arena? The Panthers also clinched the President's Trophy. Congratulations to them. There's also you know the President's Trophy curse. That not a lot of teams in history, kind of like how I outlined in the NBA, the teams that have the best record, not usually do they end up winning at all. Same in the NHL, the team that locks that up has the best record, usually doesn't end up winning at all, which also would prove advantageous to my Pittsburgh Penguins. So we'll see how it officially, the NHL playoffs look after today. And then Major League Baseball, can you believe it? The two best teams reside in New York at the moment. The Mets, you know, with the highest winning percentage of most wins, uh, right there at number one. The New York Yankees, right there at number two. Uh, Unbelievable. San Francisco Giants have also been really good. Same record as the New York Yankees. Again, don't ever estimate the San Francisco Giants. The Dodgers also are always going to be on top, built for the regular season. But one team that has been surprising me so far, because we talked about the Yankees, you know, the Giants, the Dodgers, uh, the Blue Jays are good. Cardinals, those are just your teams. Tampa Bay, one team that surprised me, and it's because of their health, it's the Los Angeles Angels. A healthy uh, Mike Trout has done really good uh, to pair with Shohei Otani, who's also been playing well, even though he's not having that amazing start to the season like he did last year. The Angels, if they stay healthy and they keep this pace up, scoring runs in bunches, it'll be tough for the opposing teams in the AL. So that's very interesting uh, to watch out for. But today, round two of the NFL NFL Draft, 
where's Malik Willis going? Where are some of the top players going? What players do you want on your team? Round two of the NFL draft today. Hope you all enjoy your weekend. Talk to you all later. Bye, everybody.